Well, good morning. Uh, welcome again to Christ Central. My name is Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors, and I hope you feel welcomed. We're grateful that you decided to choose to be with us this Sunday. Uh, we're continuing this morning in a series that we've been in for a few weeks in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we have already looked at the first half of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And last week we began to look at the second half, the last three petitions that deal more with us. Give us this day our daily bread. This morning we're going to look at forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you're able, uh, it's our custom to stand for the reading of God's word. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. This is God's word to us this morning. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The prophet Isaiah says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. That Holy Spirit, you would take... uh, the scriptures that you've given to us and illumine our minds, that you would soften our hearts as we uh, wrestle with a a hard thing, uh, forgiveness, because in forgiveness it it means we're acknowledging pain and hurt uh, that is in our own life and that we've caused. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak through me, that you would remove me so Christ is exalted. And I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you this morning. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, there was a man who was bitten by a dog, which was later discovered to be rabid. And the man was rushed to the hospital where tests revealed that he had, in fact, contracted rabies. Now, at this time, there was no medical solution for the problem. And, and so his doctor confronted him with the news and his condition that it was incurable and terminal and said, Sir, We can do all we can to make you feel comfortable, but I I don't want to give you any false hope. There's nothing we can really do. My best advice is that you put your affairs in order as soon as possible. And the dying man sank back on his bed in shock, but finally rallied enough strength to ask for a pen and a piece of paper, and then he set to work with great energy. An hour later, the doctor returned, and the man was still writing vigorously. And the doctor said, I'm glad to see that you're continuing to work on your will. And the man said, this ain't no will, Doc. This is a list of people that I'm going to bite before I die. I think that, I always thought that story is pretty funny. But the reality is that most of us live and die with such a list written in our minds of those who have wronged us or mistreated us. A spouse who's betrayed us, a parent who's abused us, a co-worker who has used us, or a friend who has left us. Harboring hurt is natural for all of us. Why is forgiving so difficult? Forgiveness is something that concerns all of us. One of my favorite singer-songwriters is a woman named Patty Griffin. She has a song titled Forgiveness. And she sings, it's hard to give and it's hard to get. It's hard to live, still I think it's the best bet. It's hard to give and I'm never going to forget, but everybody needs a little forgiveness. The truth is that everybody here this morning is both a sinner 
who has sinned against others and hurt others and someone who's been sinned against and therefore hurt. We are at the same time a villain and a victim. People who have inflicted hurt by our sinning against them and people who have been hurt by others sinning against us. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I want us to look at three things this morning in regards to forgiveness. We're going to look at the process of forgiveness, the cost of forgiveness, and the how of forgiveness. Let's look first at the process. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Now, Peter thinks he's being pretty noble and generous to suggest seven, but Jesus rebukes Peter and says, no, no, seventy times seven. And Jesus isn't doing multiplication. He's not saying 490 times, and that's enough. Jesus is saying, Peter, forgiveness has no limits. You are to forgive over and over and over. Jesus is making a huge point about forgiveness, that forgiveness is not a one-time event. It is something practiced continually over and over and over towards the same person. We often think forgiveness is a one-and-done deal, that once we've extended forgiveness, we're done, but we all know that's not true from our own experience. You get in a conflict with a roommate or a friend or a parent or a spouse, and hurt is inflicted. And if things go well, maybe people ask for forgiveness, and you might say, I forgive, but the next time conflict arises again, anger or bitterness can come creeping in as the hurt from before is stirred up yet again. And then it's in that moment that you must again extend forgiveness. That's why I'm saying the process of forgiveness. Because one common misunderstanding about forgiveness is that it's a past event. And if we think of it that way, when hurt is stirred up in our hearts again from someone from before, it causes us to question, did, did we really, did I really forgive? Forgiveness is a process. Now, you've probably heard the old phrase, forgive and forget. Right? Forgive and forgive. If you really forgive, you'll forget. So when you can't forget, it makes you feel like you haven't forgiven. Maybe some Christians have even quoted Jeremiah 31, 34. Where God says, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. As if to say forgiveness is not remembering. Forgiveness is forgetting. But the word remember in Jeremiah is not a memory word. It's a promise word. It's a covenantal word. It's a promise that if we confess our sins to God, he will not treat us as our sins deserve. Because here's the reality. You can't forget the abuse from your parent. You can't forget the person that betrayed you. You can't forget the time that person lied to you or manipulated you. And the Bible does not ask you to have amnesia. God does not have amnesia in regards to our sin towards him. But he does not treat us as our sin deserves, but offers forgiveness. And so it is with us. We don't forget the sin, but we extend forgiveness. We don't retaliate. We don't treat someone as their sin deserves. Forgiveness is extended as often as we receive our daily bread, over and over and over, a process for the rest of our lives. Here's the second thing I want us to look at. Not just the process, but the cost of forgiveness. Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. Debt is an economic word, and it means something is owed. There's an obligation incurred. We incur debt 
when we have a loan, be it a car loan, a, a home loan, a student educational loan. Forgiveness is to release a genuine debt. It's to release a debt. So praying forgive us our debts implies that we owe God something. And praying as we forgive our debtors implies that others owe us something. And to forgive is to release this genuine debt. It's costly. A price has to be paid. And on the cross, Jesus died to pay our debt. He took the penalty of sin upon himself, laid his own life down in death on a cross. And when Jesus cried out from the cross, it's finished he was proclaiming that justice has been fulfilled. The price has been paid. The debt is paid in full. See, it was costly to the Father. He gave His own Son so that we could be forgiven our debts. And our greatest need for everyone here this morning is to be reconciled to God the Father. Because the reality is that we're all villains in some way in regards to sinning against Him and sinning against others. We all are. And I tremble to think, about what it would mean if God gave us all what we deserved. In this request, Jesus is teaching that our greatest need is not to have our financial or emotional or relational problems removed, but to have God reconcile us to himself. And the only way that happens is through forgiveness. There's a young boy in Indiana around the age of 14 who murdered his father and was put into a juvenile facility. And the guard would say that each night they would come walking by the room where this boy was locked up. And every night he would have his face in his pillow screaming, trying to muffle the sound as he screamed, I want my daddy. I want my daddy. That this boy who had murdered his father wanted nothing more than to be with his father. So I don't know where you are this morning and what your life has looked like and where you are spiritually, I know one thing, that your and my greatest need is to be with our Father in heaven. It's to be with our dad. It's to be reconciled and restored in relationship with him. And it was costly for the Father to offer us forgiveness in which we could be reconciled to him in. It's extended to you. It's extended to us this morning, this forgiveness. Will you receive it? Will you trust him? and rest in it. When you choose to forgive someone, you're choosing to absorb the cost and not make the offender pay. Just like when God forgives us, he absorbs the cost. When we forgive someone, we're choosing to absorb the cost and not make them pay. For when you, you, you're wronged by another, we all know this is true, when we're wronged by another, there's this internal debt that kind of we feel, a sense that this person now owes me. That, that they need to suffer for what they've done. They've got to pay. But to forgive someone, it's not forgetting, but it's a promise to not count it against them, to absorb the cost yourself. Paul Lane and Ted Tripp, they write about forgiveness, and they mention three ways that we can release the debt and absorb the cost uh, in regards to forgiveness towards others. The, the first way they say is that forgiveness is a promise not to bring up the debt as leverage. You cannot say, I forgive you, and then months down the road, bring it back up and say, you remember that time you did that to me? Now you need to do this for me. You cannot leverage it against another person. Forgiveness is releasing the debt 
counting the cost of letting go of any power you think you hold over the person. The second thing they say is that it's a promise not to bring up the offense to others. It's easy to say, I forgive you, and then go tell other people what this person's done to you, to slander and gossip about that person. But forgiveness is releasing the debt, counting the cost of not wielding the power over that person by disparaging them towards others. Now, the third thing that Tripp and Lane said is that it's a promise not to dwell on the offense. And this is hard. We can say we forgive, but then, it, then we simmer and we let the hurt boil. We, we let the hurt fuel us. But forgiveness is releasing the debt, counting the cost, that as we experience the hurt and we want to sit in the hurt and we want to let it motivate us in some way, we instead release the debt over and over. It's costly to forgive. Somebody has to pay for the debt incurred, and it will either be you who absorbs the cost or you'll make someone else pay for what they've done to you. There's two types of people who don't extend forgiveness, and all of us can kind of oscillate between one or the other. The two people that we all represent, and all of us this morning, people that don't forgive, you're either a barrier, you bury it, or you're a venter, you let it out. See, a barrier is someone who ignores the hurt, excuses the hurt, denies the hurt. They say things like, it's not that big of a deal. I was mad, but I'm over it. It's okay. But the reality is you're far from over it. You still think about it. You replay it in your mind. You're just burying the hurt and the pain. The venter is someone who kind of gets hurt and they've got to let it out some way, but they let it out on other people to those around them. And they let it out on all the wrong people, whether it be at at home or with friends or at work, you explode on someone and they're left wondering where in the world did that come from? See, all of us need to deal with the pain we're harboring, either because we're burying or we're venting, and we've got to count the cost ourselves and forgive or else we all become ticking time bombs waiting to explode. Here's the last thing I want us to look at is the how of forgiveness. The how, because this is where the rubber hits the road. I mean, how do we actually forgive? And the hurt is real. The pain is real. It just doesn't seem to go away. I want to suggest that forgiveness includes both mercy and justice. It includes both mercy and justice. For God to forgive us, he extends mercy by, giving, by, by not giving us what we deserve. And he extends justice because Jesus paid the price. Justice was enforced on Christ on the cross. To extend real forgiveness, this is back to us, to extend real forgiveness, we have to name and condemn the offense. You have to acknowledge that justice is required. It's wrong. We say, you wronged me. I'm upset. Justice demands a payment. A cost is required, yet I release you. And we extend mercy. So we name it and we condemn it. Dan Allender in his book, Bold Love, talks about a woman who was abused by her dad. And in a counseling appointment, she says, I'm to the point that I can never forgive him. And Allender asked her a question. He said, what would you do if God gave you a choice? You could push a button on your left and utterly destroy your father this very minute. Or you could push a button on the right and have radical deep repentance by your dad, and it would make him the father God always intended him to be. And Allender said, the woman sat there for 20 minutes in complete silence, staring right at him. 
And then she said, you've put me in a difficult situation. She said, if I push the button on the left, I'm saying I'm as evil as he is. And if I push the button on the right, I'm saying I really don't want, to be, uh, I really don't want him to be my dad. And then she said, I'm more afraid to allow my heart to feel desire towards my dad than I am of being evil. I like this example because there's a, a reason a lot of us don't want to forgive, and it's this. The pain is such a part of who we are. And to forgive is to lose who we are. To forgive is to release the control we feel we have over the person who's hurt us, and we're afraid to, to lose this part of us. So we have to take the person who's hurt us to the same place that we find forgiveness, to the cross of Jesus. Because it's at the cross where mercy and justice meet. The justice we desire for the hurt that's been placed upon us is dealt to Jesus on the cross. The cross is the place where we find forgiveness and the place that we find the power to extend forgiveness. I know many people struggle with the concept of God as a God of justice. And that could be you this morning. You read the Old Testament, and it seems like the Old Testament is just God, this God of justice on display. And then you read the New Testament, and it's about Jesus' life and mission and his church, and it seems like it's more about God's love on display. And You'd rather just spend time in the New Testament if you're going to read the Bible. But deep down, every single one of us wants a God of justice. You know why? Because every single one of us demands justice when we've been wronged. And a desire for justice is a good thing. This desire is one of the ways we know we're made in the image of God. As we demand justice, so does God demand justice. And a God without justice is just a God of sentimentality. He's just the big granddad in the sky. A God without justice doesn't compel us to worship and will not compel us to forgive as we've been forgiven. And a God without mercy is only a God of harshness, this distant, removed ogre in the sky. But the God of the Bible is a God of mercy and justice. And it's at the cross of Christ where both justice and mercy meet. So how do you forgive when you want to demand justice, when you want them to pay for the hurt that's been inflicted upon you? You take that person, who has hurt you, and you bring them before Jesus, and you name and you condemn the sin and the hurt, justice is required, and then you imagine the cross, the place where mercy and justice meet. And it's in that place that you find the power to forgive. And over time, as you bring that person consistently before the cross of Jesus, God will melt your heart. I don't know if you noticed the prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it sounds somewhat similar to the, what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, where Jesus says, for if you forgive others their debts, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. We kind of want to rush over that because it feels like a dangerous prayer. Is our forgiveness from God dependent upon our forgiving others? No emphatically no. The whole Bible is, a, is about a God full of grace and mercy, and His grace and mercy is a gift to His people. If we could earn God's forgiveness by our forgiving others, we would be receiving forgiveness by a payment we've made. 
but the heart of the gospel is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Jesus isn't saying God's forgiveness is conditioned by us. He's saying that if we've really experienced the forgiveness of God towards us, then our forgiveness toward others will flow out. That the reason we should forgive others is because we are a forgiven people. That in Jesus, the payment for human sin was placed upon God to release us of our debts. Do you believe that you've been forgiven by God the Father? Because the measure you forgive reveals the measure you believe you've been forgiven. Let me put it another way. One of my friends put it. Every failure to forgive is an inability to accept God's forgiveness of you. That part of our inability to forgive others is that we make too little of our own sin. As a young man, John Wesley was a missionary to Georgia where he had a difficult time with the colony's founder, very arrogant, proud general, General Oglethorpe. And during the course of a conversation, the general made this statement, I never forgive. And Wesley responded, Then I hope, sir, you never sin. Is it possible for us to believe that as deep as our hurt and pain runs because of others' sin towards us, that our sin and our hurt towards God the Father is greater. To the degree in which we know we're forgiven is the degree in which we will be able to extend forgiveness. So we pray, coming before the cross of Jesus, thank you, God, for my forgiveness. Forgive me as I forgive others. Now, I've got to say this here, that you're not responsible for the person who has hurt you to receive, for, uh, responsible for them to receive the forgiveness you extend. They may never own what they've done. They may never receive the forgiveness you're extending. All you can do is release the debt and absorb the cost. Now, I try to limit myself to Les Mis reference like once a year. Uh, the Broadway play Les Mis. It, it, it's just too good and uh, but I have to reference it this morning because the whole play is around forgiveness. Les Mis, two main characters in the story, two men who've been touched by forgiveness and grace, Jean Valjean and Javert. Valjean spent 19 years in prison for stealing. He's released and breaks parole, becomes a fugitive, but is being pursued by the police officer Javert. Valjean continues in his thieving ways. Uh, a priest welcomes him into his home. He steals the, pr the priest's silver, runs off, and Valjean's caught by the police, and they bring him back uh, to, the, to the priest, and the priest says, no, 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 I gave him the silver, and Valjean, you actually forgot the candlesticks. And it's in that moment of forgiveness and grace that Valjean is converted, and he spends the rest of his life extending that grace to others. And then you have Javert, this police officer, who spends his life pursuing Valjean, who wants justice, wants to arrest Valjean. And the climax of the play is when the rebels capture Javert. They're about to put him to death, and Valjean is with the rebels, and he comes to his nemesis, Javert, who's been pursuing him, and he grants Javert his life, releases him, sets him free, tells him to go, you're free, and forgiveness and grace is extended. But Javert couldn't accept what happened. He could not comprehend how Valjean could do this. This man who had every reason to kill him forgave him. And Javert couldn't cope with it. He couldn't receive it, and he commits suicide. Two men touched by forgiveness and grace. 
One becomes a reflection of love and forgiveness towards others, and the other is unable to accept forgiveness and it ends in self-destruction. Will you be someone who lives life through the lens of what people have done to you? If so, you'll never forgive nor receive forgiveness. Or will you be someone who lives life through the lens of what Jesus has done for you? If so, you'll be able to extend that same grace and forgiveness to others. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that your mercy and grace are greater than any struggle or sin that we've committed and done and lived with. And we thank you that your justice is poured out on, on Christ, that we don't have to bear it. And God, thank you that we can bring those who've hurt us, that list of people that we could write out of who've hurt us and that we're harboring, hurt against, and we can bring them to you, and we, we know justice has been poured out. It's wrong. We're not minimizing it. It's wrong. But then, Lord, give us your power to extend forgiveness as we've been forgiven. I pray this in Jesus' name.